Coming up on the podcast, improbable movie franchises. I mean, they exist, but based on a first film, some of them shouldn't. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey, listener. Welcome to the podcast. Magnificent Huge is the name. This is Chris. This week, along with Eric and Brian, we're going to talk improbable movie franchises, which is to say franchise movies, series movies, etc., that uh, have little business being an actual thing. So thinking, oh, I don't know, uh, Transformers or uh, Resident Evil. Uh, I mean, you know, the Air Bud movies. It's, you know, they make a movie... It gets an audience of some kind or develops a name, cult status, and then suddenly, uh, 10 years later, there's 100 movies based on that little premise. And sometimes it's good and often it's not, and so we're going to talk about how these things exist and why they exist or maybe just our bafflement at the ones that are around. So, you know, think... Fast and Furious and that kind of thing, and you'll get the gist. So if you're interested in that, just stick around for uh, the show, Post Fresh Shit, uh, where we talk about, you know, other stuff we've been watching and doing, and then uh, enjoy the show. That's really all I can ask of you. So head on over to our website, maghuge.com. You'll see show links and things. You can head over to iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, whatever you listen to your podcasts on. We are maybe there. And then you can catch us on Facebook and uh, Instagram, yeah, we're on Instagram, and then uh, Twitter. So at MagHuge, pretty much there as well. And then uh, of course, stick around, listen to the show, send us emails to magnificentshuge at gmail.com. Let us know how much you hate it or love it, as the case may be. So without further ado, improbable movie franchises. Uh, it's a head scratcher sometimes. It really, truly is. Enjoy. So the Earth stopped dying this week. Isn't that good news? I mean, <laughs> it is almost fall. So yeah, maybe we're just going into a chrysalis for the winter. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm a big, I'm a big uh, junkie for uh, Bath and Body Works. I got to admit, I I love Bath and Body oh Works. God. I love it. I love. Oh, yeah. I think it's because my sense call of, it the smelly stuff. My store. sense of smell yeah. doesn't work very well anymore. So like these things are so like like strong that i can actually smell them and it's we're coming into pumpkin <laughs> times so this week Ugh. i got a bunch of pumpkin uh i got the 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 pecan waffle pumpkin and the white pumpkin and the pumpkin latte and all these pumpkin scented things uh for my wall mister and candles and yeah everything smells like autumn it's great no <laughs> no everything smells like shitress is what it smells like if you're doing nothing but oh, pumpkin spice. Oh, good yeah. so, Anyway, that's hey Eric. Everybody. That's Eric. I'm Chris. And over there is Brian. Hey, fellies. Howdy. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> all I'm going to say about the pumpkin spice, Eric, is if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. I am and part yes, of the problem. Definitely. I am all about being part of the problem because <laughs> yeah. it smells nice yeah. over here in the problem. Which, 
What you got to do to test your uh, your smell theory is uh, go find a Yankee Candle store uh-huh. at your nearest shopping mall. No. And see if you can... Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bath yeah. and Body Works, <laughs> I also, I get the shampoo and the body spray and the body cream. And I, 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 I get okay. the, the, the cream and I can, like, after a shower, I can make myself all smooth and uh, then I don't get uh, uh, scaly. And I well, smell I nice. Agree with you. The, the Bath and Body Works definitely has uh, an overwhelming aroma about it. To the point, like, if my wife and I ever walk past one at a, at a mall or whatever, we usually start reciting the uh, the dollar from Anchorman. <laughs> like smells like the inside of a fake leg, <laughs> that kind of thing. My my so. wife is the same way. It's too strong in there. But I like go in there and I'm all happy. And the people who work there, they're always overly happy. They're like, "Hi, welcome to Bath and Body Works." And I'm like, "Hi, how you doing? What do we got this month?" So like, I'm down <laughs> oh with it. God. I am down with it. It's <laughs> the least like is <laughs> the least punk rock uh, thing in my life, and I love it. Yeah. Would you like some pumpkin spice sadness? Yes! Candle form. Yes! I would love some pumpkin (laughs) spice sadness. Can I get some sprayed on my wrist? (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) Did a cow shit All right, enough of this. Let's let's get on with the show. We have a segment we talk about newer stuff. It's called The Fresh Shit. This shit is fresh! Oh, shit. I'm gonna see if I can if I can segue into the fresh shit into yeah. my fresh shit by continuing to talk to Eric about his bathroom. Huh. Eric, can you tell us anything about your bathroom recently? Oh well, despite uh, the way it smells. Yeah, we all of our toilets died. Uh, I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 like okay, you know how you get a clogged toilet? This is a clogged line, so it makes sure that your whole fucking house doesn't have toilets at work. So nice. Yeah, we had to. We had to. Well, my wife and my uh, mother-in-law, who lives here, they got uh, a room at a hotel nearby. We have dogs, so I stayed here. But I would like go to the gym to use the shitter. <laughs> you weren't just buried in the backyard. <laughs> oh, oh! T- if I have to pee, if I had to pee, yeah, I would use the backyard. Yeah. If I have to shit, I, I, I thought of it. I thought of getting a shovel and pulling a Boy Scouts back there, but I was like, no, because I gotta continue to live here. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, everybody's got that neighbor they don't like, right? That's probably <laughs> anyway. This is this is the reason why Eric's wife did not come and join me yeah. and my wife to go see Duran Duran this week. Yeah. <laughs> And she was upset about that. Well, so she doesn't listen to the podcast, right? right? So um, the, the the company line is she would have hated it and she would have been miserable. Oh. So. Is that so a lie or is we, that just are, for her? Well, company the, the lines, next to last sir. song Duran Duran played was their cover of White Lines, but we'll call this White Lies, oh. okay? Um, no, they were great. Uh <laughs> Sorry, Tanya, but I mean, I'm going to continue to not make you feel bad about it, but... Did they do, uh, uh, did they do the chauffeur? Um, that's one of the few they did not uh. do, but they did, like, everything else. Um, yeah. fun, so, fact, fun fact, Simon Le bon wrote the chauffeur while he was on Kibitz. So, yeah. in Israel. 
There you have it. So here, here's the thing about, um, you know, I see obviously a lot of nostalgia acts at this point, right? Duran Duran is still four out of five of the original members of Duran Duran. And not the one who's an asshole. They're still, yeah, they're still selling out stadiums. And, um, and they bring it. They still have a lot of energy. The, the quality of their playing is spot on. The, uh, the mix was fantastic. They've got a great light show. It's the full package. Um, they kill it. Um, okay. Simon Le Bon sounded better live than he does on his new album. I'm not sure how that yeah. works, but great. So yeah, that that was a fun show, and the opening act is uh, Nile Rodgers and Sheik. But what's what's more interesting about it is that Nile Rodgers has written a bunch of songs that you don't think of as Nile Rodgers songs because he's been a producer. Right. And so Nile Rodgers gets away with playing two songs off of David Bowie's Less Dance album because he wrote yeah. them. He get he gets away with playing songs off of Madonna's Like a Virgin album. And the singers are better singers than Madonna, right? <laughs> so funny how that works. It's nice when Niall Rogers even, even is your did, producer, because yeah, he brings with him a lot of yeah. material. He even did uh, "Get Lucky," the one that he did recently with Daft yeah. Punk. I want to talk about a different kind of nostalgia act that a certain set of female fans really, really wanted to go see that I wasn't as into. <laughs> was it Wham? Was it Wham? Oh, it was Rick Springfield, motherfucker. <laughs> you could do worse. I would like you to know, make fun of that, but it. I've seen Rick Springfield live twice. Yeah. Okay, so you he- go on like the 80s cruise and you hear the stories about the crazy Rick Springfield chicks. Right, who were way into him when he was on that boat in in some past mm-hmm. year, and they all showed up to this concert. My God. Okay, so this is at this is at Celebrity Theater. It's in the round. The stage is spinning. Um, I got I saw two concerts the same week that were all eighties acts. The Lost Eighties Live was in there too, but I don't need to talk about that because it's all acts I've talked about before. But but this one was John Waite, Minute Ooh. Work, and Rick wow. Springfield. Was it all of Minute um, Work? Or was it like part of? Oh no, no. Minute Work is just um, the lead singer. Yeah. And then he's basically got a bunch of musicians from Cuba uh, okay. as his band, and they are awesome. Okay. <laughs> um, actually, Minute Work was really, really good, and I would recommend seeing them before I recommend seeing Rick Springfield.
So uh, let me ask you this. Does, does Rick Springfield even bother to sing anything off of the Human Touch album? Well, so I don't know his albums well enough. He's touring on, on like the 40th anniversary of Working Class Dog, right? Right, right. But, but, but before we get to that, I just want to say, you know, like, like I say, there's just this obnoxious throng of obnoxious women everywhere. And I'm, I, I saw after the John Waite set, um, this, this woman with her husband's walking by, and the husband knows he's being a dick, but he just says to her, so which one was Rick Springfield? <laughs> and she, like, punches him <laughs> in the shoulder. <laughs> um, so Rick Springfield is up there. He, he says that that week was his 73rd birthday. Right. And he's, he's like, I mean, this is about as 80s as an 80s act gets. I mean, Rick Springfield is so 80s. Um, but he's having like his whole band is just as douchey as he is like he's having a mullet contest with his keyboardist like the keyboardist has this crazy mullet and he's got his mullet and everyone's just got this broy attitude it was it was it was obnoxious um, a, lot of, a lot of a lot of people who he, from New Jersey into the the Rick Springsteen <laughs> the Rick Springsteen uh, <laughs> yeah okay but but he does a he does a medley. Well, first of all, he comes out and he's not even in key. He's like kind of terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, he got better as it went on, but he does a medley of his hits at one point, like he's Weird Al Yankovic or something. And at one point, he actually does eight six seven five three zero nine and admits it's not even his song, but everybody thinks it is Nobody knows Tommy Two-Tone. Yeah, that's oh. funny. So, I mean, did he do stuff off of whatever album you mentioned? Probably. His uh, set didn't start until like 10 p.m. and it was a Sunday night and we had to get up at 4.30 in the morning, so we left about halfway through the okay. set, so I don't I was, know. Well, I was referring to the song Human Touch off of the Living in Oz album from 1983. I, so, we all yeah, need know it. the Human Touch. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when he started getting like super eighties. Like I, I hope it's in my recordings from, from his set and I can play it here and I just didn't register it, but oh, we'll see. You you'll know it because he just basically sings We All Need the Human Touch over. I, he and probably over did. He played every song he played over. was a song you're like, Oh yeah. I remember being assaulted by that song in the eighties. Yeah. And I forgot it. Oh, and I that one too. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just Yeah. I'll, Rick Springfield. I mean, when he did that uh, ill-fated movie in like 84 and they really tried to pimp it on MTV. I just remember that being an abject failure and so that's really yeah. what I associate with Rick Springfield more now than anything. God bless him. The, the Rick Springfield fans got the show they wanted. I just wasn't one of them and so I was feeling a little bit alienated. But I really enjoyed Ben at work. <laughs> well, anyway. Know, how could you uh, yeah, how concerts. Could you know? I go to okay. them. What do you guys got? I went to a concert. Not concerts. I went to a concert. Oh, shut up. Go. I saw Franz Ferdinand. I saw Franz Ferdinand oh, touring right. uh, okay. their uh, uh, Hits to the Head 
which is their greatest. I've never heard of a band touring their greatest hits album, so this is new to me. But um, I was hoping they'd do some of their their Sparks stuff. I did not hear any of that. Uh, they played at this McMinimins here in uh, in Portland. McMinimins is a restaurant chain locally, but every one of them is different, and hmm. some of them have places where you can have concerts. It's it's really hilarious. This is the best venue I've ever been to for a concert. If anybody good is ever playing here, really? I got to invite you out here to this place. It's no seats, big field, but every you know the sound is great everywhere, and it's just it's a very chill atmosphere. But the the sound is great. Uh, yeah, they played all their hits. Obviously, it was a big fun uh, time. So, um, so and what I f- are the other hits besides "Take Me Out"? I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know the names of them. Yeah, I, I just either. know I when I either. hear I them. I go, "Oh, that's that song. I like that song." Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Rick Springfield. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just you know it when you hear it. You know it when you hear it. Okay. Yeah. I've got, I don't have much to Excellent. report from that other than other than some really great songs. The best thing about that was uh uh finding out just how middle aged I am. Because my I, I'm like Okay, we heard all the good ones. We could probably beat some traffic if we just go now. And my <laughs> wife, who I was <laughs> expecting to hit me, said, Yeah. And so we like like bolt for the car and we're just like, look at all the traffic we're not in. Woo! It's it's so fun to be old, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. That's that's kind of my Rick Springfield experience. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that, that's every time someone mentions that though, it always makes you think of this bit that Mark Marin does. Uh, yeah, when he, when he went to see stones. the Rolling Stones, and it's like he's basically like halfway to the parking lot while Mick Jagger's still yes! on stage stomping around yes! doing his like spastic exactly stuff. Exactly that. It's like a real yeah. It's, it's a very funny bit, but it's so on point for older people. It's like I'm gonna beat all of these assholes to the parking garage because fuck this. Oh, oh yeah, Duran Duran. We heard the end of what I knew was gonna be the last song because they'd been posting set lists online like from their other shows, and like <laughs> as soon as people started clapping, we're like we're clapping, but we're also walking out this <laughs> right now and yeah you it's know. that it's that total like the the homer simpson gif where he just backs into the hedge it's that kind yeah, of vibe. yeah yeah and we beat the traffic it was glorious yeah, yeah. Uh, that would be great if like one band sort of had the 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 presence to say okay we know you're all going to be going out to get to your cars now so here's your walking out to the car song you know and just sort of fuck it up for everybody yeah. like like me who wants to get out there early, because then half the place is going to leave, you know. But right. the other half is going to yeah. stay at least. Um, the uh. other thing to review: the Rings of Power, uh, the Ugh. the uh, okay. <laughs> the yes. Lord of the Rings TV show on Amazon, which is have you, have you interestingly watched? how much have you watched? Uh, the first two episodes. Uh, okay. They that's, they that's more they basically got the rights to the Cimmerillion, and the Tolkien family is behind this. Where the Tolkien's were not all that keen on the movies because the movies basically reduced these books to you know action movies that were very thin. Right. That right. that just sort of did the greatest hits of the books. Uh, and of course those those movies are beloved, but you wa- I I can't watch them now. They're so boring. The only thing I like dense. about it are the yeah. effects and that soundtrack. But otherwise, 
I don't care. Oh, I mean the costumes and the the design of. I mean, I think the first. I think the the Lord of the Rings movies hold up. The Hobbit movies, I will never. The watch The Lord again. of the Rings. Everything you but, can say good about the Lord of the Rings movies, though, does not include the story or the the story. You know, it's like the pacing. It's just it's just a slog. But this show mm. takes its time. Say what you want about a a Lord of the Rings TV show takes its time so the world building is there and it's taken a lot of shit for multiracial casting uh and i i i have to respectfully say go fuck yourself if that's your problem with it because this is a world where they make rings that make people invisible a black dwarf is not that dragon wouldn't do yes (laughs) exactly it's all (laughs) make-believe god damn it you know so does the second episode actually pick up because that first one was just slog. Nothing about that made me want to progress with the series. I'm like, it's just I don't nothing. Think, yeah, happens. I don't think you're going to want to continue because uh, it's it's you know it's basically it's taking its time. It's doing its first season, and there is no yeah. MacGuffin to launch shit. Uh, so no, it doesn't okay. really pick up. But again, I like that they are taking their time to world build they don't just throw shit at you and go oh yeah elves of course yeah oh dwarves you're like yeah okay cool no they're they're the problem i have with it is it's very very poorly written dialogue that is one of the good things about the movies that's missing here this shit is very i heard somebody online say that this is cw level writing and i don't think they're wrong (laughs) they need to pick it up yeah um it's so yeah. Question, question about because this is the elephant in the room for me on this on this series, and I haven't started yet, but I intend to. I think that there is a large chunk of the audience, and the marketing has been kind of coy about this, that that wants to see this as an actual prequel to the movies, right? And therefore, wants the the sets and the costumes and the design of it in general to be cohesive with those movies, Mm -hmm. but it's a totally different rights holder. It's a totally different production company. It's, it's, it's not, Mm -hmm. but are they trying to make it look like the movies anyway? Here's the, here pretty close to the production design. Yeah. Here's the beautiful thing about this kind of prequel. It's not like those star Wars movies where it takes place like a couple of years before a new hope. And Mm -hmm. you've got to actually connect the things. This is taking place thousands of years before uh fellowship of the ring and so what they're doing is they're showing you okay when they go to the dwarf underground kingdom and it's all like burned out and you know just it's a Mm -hmm. tomb this is showing you what it's like at its height you know this is like like way back when things were working properly this this even shows you where the elves lived uh before the the you know invention of the sun this is like how far back this thing goes it's really great. Right, but I'm saying like dwarf dwarf architecture has a very specific look in those movies. Yeah. Elven architecture has a very specific look in those movies. Are they are they riffing on yeah. that or are they They are. Diverting? They are. Yeah, but yeah. okay. And and again, when you're talking about creatures that live several thousand years, there's there's not a whole lot of stylistic change. So that makes sense. But they're not doing Good. like they're not giving you the exact same sets you've seen before. They're you know. Okay. 
I wonder how many props they actually got from what yeah. <laughs> for making this. I heard, and they just bought them. I, another uh, that None. same person who said this was CW level writing said that the Elven King uh, looked so basic that his name is probably Brian. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's funny is that uh, my wife tapped out about 20, 30 minutes in, uh, but it wasn't before they were at, it's not Rivendell, but it's whatever other place the elves live and the king comes out. And it's the dude that played Abraham Lincoln yes, in the him. the Vampire Slayer movie. Yeah, that's what, who they were like, talking points about. Him out almost, yeah, and she points him out almost immediately. And I'm like, okay, great. That's all I'm going to see now is just Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> the vampire killer, with like She loved ears. that movie, apparently. I, I, I saw yeah, that movie, yeah. and I didn't know that was him. Yeah, no, she's got a knack, but yeah. That, and, it, <laughs> and, it, and it set the tone, so the rest yeah. of the time, anytime he was on screen, that's just all i can think yeah. about so. i i love these anecdotes about chris's wife because i've never met her in person <laughs> yeah but every time he talks about her it's like oh yeah you did marry yeah the right she's a one. savant yeah, genius right? this woman yeah <laughs> yeah it's amazing i so, i will say yeah. here's my here's my my uh early judgment on this is i i like it um, I, I'm, I'm not sure I like it more than the movies because again, dialogue, they need, they need to, they need to up their game. A lot of TV <laughs> shows, it takes like three or four episodes before they find their footing. Even Breaking <laughs> Come Bad. Come on, Angela, you got dialogue. Yeah. Even Breaking Bad, <laughs> like took a little while to, to, to really figure its shit out. Um, right. but this is supposed to be a uh, Game of Thrones replacement, and Game of Thrones itself was a budget knockoff of the Lord of the Rings movies. So, mm. I I think that I think this could happen. I do. Um, well, I think at the very least, it's good that they don't have the obvious fake wigs from that Game of Thrones show. Yeah, that they're doing the House of Dragons or whatever. Like you see Matt Smith in that flowy white long haired it's obviously a wig mm-hmm. i just and that right there is a deal breaker for me i'm like yeah. i'm not watching matt smith's agent bit. gets him all the best work that turns out to be horrible doesn't he i mean he's in a he's in the worst <laughs> right, terminator right, movie the terminator he's yeah in, yeah yeah, yeah. Huh. but yeah so, i have yeah. i i well, i started watching the game of thrones thing i'll i'll let you guys know what i think of it after i'm a few episodes yeah in. i okay. have Good. i i i am i am i'm rooting for it i guess is the best way to put it for for Rings of Power or for Game of Thrones? Uh, Rings of Power. Okay. Hobbit, I have not even tried to watch, and I don't care to. Don't, One book don't. broken up into three longest movies. Fucking why? Yeah, they took they took some liberties. Yeah. Let's just say there, that there's yeah. a there is a good ninety minute version of the Hobbit that can be edited out of the six to nine hours that and, they made. And Ralph Bakshi um, already did it. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you take the Hobbit and then you stretch it into three movies for nine hours. It's like, that's, there's going to be a lot of fill and it just doesn't work. There's one, one thing, a meme I saw on this Rings of Power, uh, okay. The, the Tenderfoots who are sort of the, the precursors to the Hobbits, uh, in the Cimmerillion, they're described as having, uh, dark skin and they show a picture of the lead Tenderfoot actress who's white. And the black tenderfoot actor who's black, and they say, okay, this is the description of the tenderfoots. Guess which one people have a problem with? Mm. <laughs> it's like that guy oh, well. is correct. That white chick ain't. 
Well, you know. I don't know. Do? I'm 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 into this fight too. I like watching people go go bat shit over a TV show. Anyway, that's what I got. Phantom <laughs> is so toxic. Uh, All right. Well, I don't have much. Uh, I will say that I I finished the latest season of What We Do in the Shadows. I don't remember if you guys watched that one or not, but it's uh, basically this whole season is all about the transformation of Colin Robinson from his, uh, at the end of the, the last season, he basically, uh, his, his adult body dies and then an infant version of him comes out of the carcass. That's how the energy vampire like reemerges. And then, uh, this season is about Laszlo, the Matt Berry character, raising him as a child. And so you get like this weird, like, you remember the movie, uh, little man where they put the, the guy's face over the kid's body and it was like very off-putting it's oh, like no. that yeah it, they oh, do god no they do that for part of it but it's just it's funny because <laughs> he has no idea who he is or what he's doing and then by the end colin robinson his back so the whole season is just his journey and so many people were pissed off about that they're like it just doesn't do anything it doesn't go anywhere it's like no that's the whole purpose of this is to find out how energy vampires just remain the same no matter what and then that's the ultimate theme of the season is where no matter what has changed or all the changes that they attempt to make in their lives, everything reverts back to square one. And, uh, and Guillermo, the familiar, basically looks at the camera at the end and just says, nothing fucking changes. <laughs> and, so that's like, <laughs> and I think that's hint. very brave. Yeah, yeah. It's very brave for a series to just come right out and say, nope. We've been riding this pony for a while, and we're not going to change. And that's sort of the vibe. So it's funny. But uh, <laughs> I really like the show. I adore Matt Barry. He's the main reason I watch it. And so uh, if you haven't been watching the show, definitely do, because it's, it's a rare feat where you can take a good movie and turn it into a, an actual watchable, enjoyable series. So what we do in the shadows. Uh, but as a left turn on that i did end up watching kenneth Branagh's new movie belfast which is done in black and white and it's basically a pseudo like drama the trailer for that made me made me exhausted i hadn't i had barely seen anything on it uh but i just figured i'd give it a shot and it's basically him sort of retelling his childhood from early 60s in belfast at the start of the troubles between the Protestants and the Catholics and sort of getting mm-hmm. rolled up in that and it and they infuse it with a lot of uh, like soul music from the time that was popular and it really the ultimate thing I can say is it looks pretty the performances are good but ultimately it just made me want to go back and watch The Commitments again so if you're thinking about watching <laughs> Belfast just go watch The Commitments instead that's really all I can say about that so I wonder if yeah. a lot of Jews Brana, look at the Troubles and go, thank God, a religious war that doesn't involve us. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, right. Fucking Protestants. <laughs> uh, so it's got moments, but mostly if, if you like Irish accents, then uh, this is definitely the movie for you. So it's it's good. But uh, I don't know. It's just, I don't like it when uh, when directors get that personal. Especially like Brana, who's basically made a career out of very uh, self-indulgent type stuff. Yeah, <laughs> he has he has a uh, tendency towards self-indulgence 
uh, I point you to the four-hour Hamlet, the unedited mm-hmm. four-hour goddamn Hamlet, where he, yeah. as a, I believe, middle-aged man, plays the teenager Hamlet. Yeah. But uh, I will say this, because it's, it's his life story, more or less, through his eyes. So it's a kid who's a young Kenneth Branagh. Uh, and the only real thing that struck me was there's a total throwaway thing where the kid's like out on the front stoop of the street reading a Thor comic book, and then his mom comes up and just starts berating him. And I thought that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Good on you, Kenneth Branagh, the director uh, of the first Thor movie. We should we should yeah, point out, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's definitely Oscar bait. Watch it if you want, but uh, I was sort of eh. Whatever. Belfast. That's don't, all I got. Don't Honestly, Oscar bait. You'll right. get I'm hair spent. on your hands. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And on that note. <laughs> Let's do this. Uh, all right. So the theme of today's show, improbable movie franchises. Mm. Now, uh, the gist of this one is that if you've you've see the first movie in the series, but then later on it becomes like this whole long multi film franchise thing. Like when you go back and look at that first movie, you're like, "How did this become a giant movie franchise thing?" And this is not say like movies where they made a lot of money and just obviously decided to make a sequel and just keep churning them out, uh, or had an idea for a multi film arc. Uh, this is just like films that you watch that first and you're like, there's no way that this be- has any reason to be what it is now. And my big example would be the Fast and the Furious mm-hmm. because it starts out as like a, a tight uh, heist movie, cops and robbers, fast cars. And then by the 10th film, they're like going into space or whatever. And so it just it doesn't follow that there would be 10 movies spurred out of this one thing. And so that's sort of the gist. Right. Makes sense? Okay. Okay. So, so, and I think that we just steer clear of the horror genre in general here. Yeah, because otherwise... If you make we'll a horror movie, they're going to find a way to make more of them if it, has, if it makes money. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's, that's more like Hammer films did that a lot, but you really don't see that much until you get to the 80s and then you get to the Halloweens and the Friday the Friday the 13th, 13th, 13th one Halloween is the one that's a head scratcher because that... I guess it's yeah. because it costs 10 bucks to make and like made an yeah. ass ton of money yeah and it's a total halloween ripoff and i think we've touched on this stuff before um but yeah the those types of movies i think we can steer clear of just because they're there totally to make money there's no right. purpose behind it and it's just we'd be here well, all day if we like tried the to fast talk and the that. furious movies aren't there to make money i mean well, but you know what I mean. It's like you I'm look not at sure the, that's disqualifying. Yeah, I think the purpose of every one. sequel and every franchise is to make more money. Nobody makes a franchise well, out of a movie that that was well, you know made no money. Fast, I use the Fast and the Furious as an example Runner. because yeah, but Fast and Furious is like you get to that second one where Diesel doesn't want to do it, so then it's too fast, too furious. And then you get Tokyo Drift, and then Diesel comes back, and then suddenly you get, like, The Rock comes in, and Jathan Statham, and then it becomes this, like, huge, weird, cartoonish thing that has no resemblance to whatever the source of the first one was. And so that's sort of, it doesn't make Mm -hmm. sense to me that that is a franchise that exists Mm -hmm. in its current form. So 
that was sort of my my genesis thinking so there you have it so yeah i i, I think i'm gonna struggle to meet those criteria <laughs> with the ones i've come up with. i mean yeah the the, um, the gist is just like you watch the first movie uh how did this become a franchise yeah so, i mean you know. so I'll, I'll give you i'll give you one that i'm like why is this a franchise mm-hmm. and that is a christmas story there, a Christmas Story three is coming out this year, <sighs> starring Peter Billingsley <laughs> as Ralphie, the adult in the nineteen uh, seventies. This I mean, is a thing. I mean, I can almost give you a pass on that because they're based on some uh, literature by Gene, Gene Shepard. Shepard's so, stories, and a, you know, and a Christmas Story two is a thing that happened somewhere right, along right, the right. way, and there was like another Gene Shepard thing, but. Ah, yeah that's leave it alone that's just cash grab no yeah yeah bad well i will <laughs> say this is probably not like a a well-regarded franchise because it's like you know yeah they play christmas story 24 hours a day all christmas and then it goes away the rest of the year so yeah i don't know but but i guess that my thing was i was looking at that and going how would why is this a franchise I, like I would what say the fuck s- is wrong with you. Something this along is a franchise. Something along those lines would be like if you just said Santa Claus with Tim Allen, I'd be go yes. That makes no fucking sense can whatsoever we- <laughs> that that would have like five movies. Can we define franchise? Is it just sequels or is it like a universe? No, it's like, oh. no, it's, like a, it's a movie series that maybe has like uh, four plus movies. We'll go with that. Huh. Because if you so do the three, Dan that's Brown, fairly standard. Da Vinci Code movies are not a franchise per se. Oh, that's, that's totally a franchise. That's totally a franchise. That's a, that's a franchise. But but that's also sort of based on the book, so it makes sense that they would just do the whole nine yards. Right. Uh, but but for, like, oddball stuff, like, we'll throw in James Bond. I mean, there's literally, like, seven Ian Fleming books and then some short stories, but that thing took on a life of its own, man, and it's just yeah. so out there. Every time you get a new actor and it becomes a whole new thing. Uh, but you watch Dr. No, and it's like, they could have done, like, the books and called it a day, but they were making so much money by Goldfinger that it sort of it makes sense. But now okay. there's like what twenty five movies? The, yeah. In that case, the franchise that makes the least sense to me, Taken. Taken is a movie with a guy right, whose right, right, daughter right. gets yeah, kidnapped yeah. and he goes to Europe and fucks the shit up out of a bunch of people to get his daughter back and you love it. And then <laughs> it happens again. And then it happens again. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. it happens again. It's like, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I, the fact that they didn't call the second one retaken, that's a missed opportunity to me. So, yes. I think you know, there's, there's, a, there's a comic who does a bit about how they're in the second one, the wife, I guess, and the daughter are both about to be kidnapped. And they have the right. opportunity for him to say, uh, you know, there they're, they're are bad people you know, at the door and you're going to be taken too. It's like they had the opportunity <laughs> to put the title in the, but they didn't. Or, yeah, yeah. Or do it, do it like the T O O, like the Disney movies. Yes, Taken Two. Uh, that, this, this, this just reminds me of the the bit at the beginning of Tropic Thunder, the Tug Speedman right. movies, a scorcher, right? And then, right, right. then it happened again, yeah. but it now occurred. it's happening with babies, you know, backwards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know the. The same, the same thing made my list in the form of Home Alone. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Right. And they somehow, after that traumatic experience, did it again? Right. Yeah. And then <laughs> made it and then made a joke about how terrible they were as parents that they did it again. And then I yeah. like that, where they start how? laughing, like, oh, we suck. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i mean it just makes i mean that but that to me is just the first one came out and made so much money that you almost have to expect that there'll be a second one but then when you get to the third and it's like straight to video and there's and they don't have the original kid acting in it yeah. and it's just sort of now you're just using the name <laughs> that's what i don't yeah care. Like, they're still making them the, yeah there's more they, they they're not stopping yeah i mean <laughs> um, i mean it's like even Planet of the Apes, that one always bugs me because it's like, that's a pretty yes. wrapped up movie. It's so good. Yes. And then you get like re- like beneath the Planet of the Apes and it's like, you don't even get Heston for more than like 10 minutes. And then it's all about a different astronaut coming. I mean, it's just, it's like, it's, it's a stretch, man. That always, rec- I thought that would have made a more, more sense of a sequel that they sent a second rocket and the exact same lunatical shit happened to them. It's like, right. okay, there's something then out there that's reproducible. That's something I would like to examine. <laughs> something that like right. allows these people to get frozen in time and appear like not not just in the spot. future. Yeah. The same time and place. He like only misses Charlton right. Heston by like a year. Right. So it just it always bothered me because then they they're they're more about like world building, but then you get to where they're going back in time to the when the the apes became the smart apes with Caesar, yeah. and it's just like this whole like that that series to me just goes off the rails multiple times. Every time they make a new movie, it's just off the rails. <laughs> it yeah. just doesn't. I'm perplexed <laughs> by it every single time, and they're so popular. That's what I don't get. So. That's and, that's kind of the gist. It's like out of that first movie, there's no way there should be six other Planet of the Apes yeah. movies. Okay, that's what I'm saying. I've got a franchise that makes no sense. Star Trek. Okay. Star Trek right? films make no sense. Okay, now the the original series mm. loved the fuck out of it. I still think it's just. I, I still I love it. I love Star Trek. I love you guys. Know I can't shut up enough about Star Trek. But that Obviously. first Star Trek film, the motion picture was nothing more than we tried to make a second Star Trek series. The whole thing went kablooey. We've got all these sets and all these costumes and all these uh, special effects right. tests. we got to do something with them. Let's make a movie. And so they made a movie yeah. off of a script that you know was not well thought out. They, it, was, it was something that looked beautiful, made a lot of money because everybody wanted another Star Trek. But and they wanted it was Star Wars. dumb. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it was just, it just, well, actually, no, it's not dumb. It was just not Star Wars. Exactly. It was actually right. not bad. Yeah. It was, it was actually an actual Star Trek episode stretched out to movie length yeah. with really great effects. Well, <laughs> well, and we've talked about this phenomenon before, but by the, by the time you get to Star Trek two, that's really where the series takes off. Yeah. But, and it shouldn't have. But it's at like that it, point, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. That one is now made on a shoestring budget, and somehow it it reinvents all of Star Trek. Everything really yeah. starts from that film, and then you right. get a, a bunch of films with that cast who are getting older and older and more and more unlikely. Um, but w- so that w- they have to hand off to the next generation to make films, and those. I'm sorry, are just unwatchable. I think because there wasn't a reason to make them other than money, other than they were the yeah. next crew. 
so yeah, the way I'm feeling about this is is that right? There, it totally makes sense for there to have been a Star Trek film fan franchise up to a point, but then it overstayed its yeah. welcome. Like somewhere around Star Trek Five, yeah. Specifically, you got you've but, got the motion um, picture, and then you have what is effectively a trilogy with right, uh, yeah. Wrath of Khan and Search for Spock are um, the epic of Gilgamesh, where you know the yeah. the man the the god becomes a man and the animal becomes a man. It's you know if you read it, it kind of makes sense that Spock is in Kidu and anyway. But then you get the third one, which is let's just lighten shit up. They're still on the same <laughs> yeah, storyline, but it's yeah. kind of uh, it's it's like that comical play. The, uh, the it's a satyr play on the last right. two movies, and yeah, after that, I think you can either wrap it up or change direction. Josh, what? No, what's his name? The guy who made, um, the guy who made the the Fargo TV show. They approached him to make a Star Trek movie a year or two ago. His whole concept was. We do it with a completely new cast with completely new characters. And I was like, yeah, yes, yes, that. Yeah. Stop, Nobody stop wants to milking see that. shit we've already seen and invent yet another new <laughs> cast. But, the, but that's why the franchise was inevitable, is that there were already Star Trek conventions before right. Star Trek The Motion Picture, mm-hmm. right? And that was about gathering those fans with that cast. And right. of course that had legs, right? But yeah. that's now run its course. It's like at some point they Star yeah. Trek came back. They that are, those original cast movies helped bring Star Trek back to life. But once Star Trek came back to life, it was like plaque that needed to be cast off. And it's like, <laughs> like, like I can't believe they wouldn't want to reinvent with you know just new characters and new everything. Uh, like, like, like depart from what we know. Seeing as how, you know, Voyager and Deep Space Nine worked, and they were all different characters. Right. No, we got to do mean, Discovery, and we've got to basically live in all of the Star Trek shit we already know. Well, I guess, but as long as they're making money, they're going to keep cranking them out in some form or fashion, which is sort mm-hmm. of the, the, the byproduct of this yeah. sort of thing. Which is fine. Uh, Just stop yeah. it with the fan service and start building yeah. your own mythos yeah. is all I'm saying. It's, but It's the same reason why the Mandalorian is the only good new Star Wars thing is because when, and even it's failing at this, but when it goes yeah. off and does its own thing, that's what right, makes it right. good. It's, it's the fan service that brings it down. Well, yeah. Anyway, well, um, so here's a movie that shouldn't have spawned sequels. Uh-huh. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Ew. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think the first one is pretty succinct. It wraps it nicely. But anytime you add time travel into a a movie, then that opens the door for all kinds of shenanigans down the road. Because Back to the Future is the same way. Terminator is the same way. It's just these these are franchises that should not... We didn't need a Back to the Future Part 2, did we? No, we didn't. (laughs) We did not. But because it made a shit ton of money, there you have it. So... Yeah, when you add time travel elements to it, there's really you're opening Pandora's box on that kind of thing. So just beware. If there's time travel in a movie, you're probably going to get at least three or four <laughs> sequels. Yeah, if it's making any money. Uh, but the one that kills me is, uh, well, these are sort of part part and parcel. It's for it's St- Sylvester Stallone. The idea that there are multiple Rocky and Rambo movies. 
for a character that literally had one good movie and it was the first one and then all the rest is just what the hell and it's like there's no reason except for money because you Sliced look at is a II. franchise yeah. king i mean right think of yeah. not just those two but then he says uh uh i i want to make a whole new one so he does the expendables out of mm-hmm. has-beens mm-hmm. and it still right. works <laughs> it's he's still uh, got like it's that franchise magic i i was sure cobra was going to be a multi-picture deal like every year i'm sure he thought every it was. year yeah. we were going to have a new sly stallone movie and it was going to go yeah uh rocky rambo cobra rocky rambo cobra yeah. oh well but, uh, <laughs> but that one <laughs> will live but yeah but but yeah the the rocky rambo thing just astonishes me that there are so many because there's what like well with the the rocky knockoffs about creed there's what, like eight films now? Something like that. And then Rambo, yeah. there's like seven films. It's like, how do you how do you squeeze that much story out of those characters? It just astonishes me. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know, decades long. It's just weird. But then you get to stuff like the Mission Impossible movies, which I am still amazed that they've managed to make that many based on that first movie. Am I wrong? <laughs> uh, again, I think it's Tom Cruise saying, I own a thing and I need to make it work for me. I need okay. to, I get total control over this project and I, I oh. need to make that continue, you know? But the fact that they, they don't crank them out very regularly, it's like every four to five years or so. So it's just the, that kind of staggered schedule is just astonishing to me that they've still managed to make a go of it and people are still watching them and it's so uneven like like, there's no reason that this should be such a strong contending series based on the first three movies they're so hit and miss and it's just so erratic and it just i don't care about ethan hunt and his journey yet for some reason that's the focal point and the linchpin of all these films and every single one is about getting disavowed and then doing whatever the shenanigans it's like there's always an inside agent there's always like a a, like every (laughs) one of them is about some turncoat inside the agency but what Mm -hmm. i liked initially about the mission impossible movies was each one was some director or auteur's shot you know like the first one was um uh what's his name the 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 suspense guy yeah was a de palma Palma. joint and then john woo and then jj abrams and it's like after the J.J. Abrams one, I think they said, you know what? We need to stop clowning around and <laughs> make something that works consistently. And that's when, right. you know, it became sort of a shop. But you're right. Yeah. They don't make them consistently. But that's also because the cast now is full of people who can get work elsewhere, including yeah. Tom Cruise. He's got other shit to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas he, the one franchise that he never has been able to get off the ground is the one for edge of tomorrow, which I would watch that in a heartbeat. Yeah. That was fun. That was so fun. Uh, so that's disappointing that he gets to crank out like a mission impossible every four to five years, but that still was he trying to make that a franchise. Yeah. They've, they've been trying to get a sequel off the ground for a while now. and they just haven't been able to. Yeah. So, Oh, well, but, uh, it's just, so, I don't know why I'm 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 kind of disappointed in myself because 
all of my examples keep being like older movies that that have gone on for long periods of time just because of money but i'm not even clear like how are these things making money so two dog based franchised um <laughs> one beethoven Air right? Bud. the other airbud Airbud, yeah, damn right, Airbud. That a is movie about a dog that plays basketball, and there's so many of you're, those now. Of the three of us, yeah, you, you're the one with fucking children. How do you not know yeah. how these movies are made? But also, of the three of us, even my children didn't yeah. watch this crap. Okay, but of the three of us, you are the one that didn't work in a video store either. So that's just a pipeline of product that they got to fucking crank out. Uh, like I remember, like a new Airbud will come out like once a year. And you'd just be like, really? Didn't they just do this one? Airbud in space? Are you kidding me? So, I don't know if you I guys know this why. or not, but every Steven Seagal film was made specifically to try to get me to kill myself when I was 20. Because every <laughs> fucking time, one of those things that hit the shelves, you'd be like, you got the new Steven Seagal? Read a book, yeah. you cocksucker. Which, yeah, which is not really a franchise, because <laughs> it's different movies allegedly but props to steven seagal for making a whole string of movies that used prepositions in the title that still <laughs> fucking floors so, me every time guys, over the I hill got, across gotta, the woods to grandmother's house we go right I, I gotta plug a podcast here um i've mentioned it before but one of my one of the ones my wife listens to it's called the dollop d-o-l-l-o-p mm-hmm and they they always take a story from history of just people failing and being bad at things and generally you know being ridiculous and and they they tell the story they do the Steven Seagal story and it took them three <laughs> podcast episodes to get That's through amazing. all of the bullshit in the Steven Seagal story mm-hmm. wow. and you should listen to it That's Eric. amazing you listen to it uh, oh, also also so go much. on YouTube and look up Steven Seagal running there are like whole clips of just him running in movies, and the guy doesn't know yeah. how to run. It's funny. Yeah. Well, neither does Tom Cruise, but nobody's stopping him either. But, uh, uh well, here's, here's the throwback for you, because, Brian, you're talking about old movies. And this is, mm-hmm. this is a reach, but I am still, to this day, even as a child, I was perplexed by how Universal was able to crank out a whole series of movies with Abbott and Costello meeting insert monster here. (laughs) Like, how is that a thing that makes money over and over to the point where they've got four of these things? Like, I just don't get it. So, but these were before television, right? (laughs) Uh, Infancy of television, but yeah, yeah. Like late 40s and early 50s. So, what else are you gonna watch? I mean, (laughs) like, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, I get. That's the first one. It's just a, it's a funny one-off, whatever. Uh, but by the time you get to Adam Costello meet the mummy five years later, it's like, even Lon Chaney is like, these things suck. These things suck so bad and they've ruined any legacy <laughs> that we've ever created. Uh, it just boggles my mind that they've, it's even a thing. It really is. <laughs> but that's my throwback pick of the day. Uh, but there's so many. Some, like... The, I think the king of the inexplicable, long-lasting franchise is Godzilla. Like, how does that... Movie... No, that's not inexplicable. It Who is... doesn't want to see Godzilla stomp on Tokyo? Uh, but, the original Godzillas, watch... I, I, I understand. You know, the original Godzillas, they, yeah. had, they had uber fans, and it was fun. The current list of monster movies make no sense. They're, they're, yeah. 
they're explosively stupid. They're they're colorfully awful. They, I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get those at all. Well, well, what I don't get is just how how the first Godzilla is actually. Uh, it's kind of a cautionary tale against nuclear genocide, et cetera, et cetera. It, it, it's a very thinky monster movie when you get to the thematics of it. But then they just decided to throw it out the window and just have the kaiju thing for the rest of the yeah. series. It's like, so there, now, yeah. now there, I think we're talking about your theme. Right. right, which is that like what the movie was even about is utterly transformed, right, and is kind of the opposite of what it was at the outset. And so there, there, I think you've got yourself a good bookend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could lay that on stuff like Jurassic Park as well. It's like the first movie, fun roller coaster ride, but do we need seven of these things? No. Pirates of the Caribbean, do we need six of these things? No. It just baffles me it boggles my mind every time yeah so i don't know if it's it, if it's yeah. a movie franchise i probably don't really want to have much to do with it because it just gets tiresome there's rarely an artistic reason to have a franchise and also i don't remember movies using the word franchise until the tim burton batman movies but yeah well there's but, no reason you know, for it that's of our artistically era. you know it's always right. just money or you know, fan love. But even when fan love gets a movie done, basically they just want another version of the same movie they've already seen. Yeah. Well, I mean, you get stuff like Pink Panther. Like, if you've seen the first mm-hmm. one, that is totally monumentally different from the Pink Panther movies that Sellers and Blake Edwards are doing in the 70s. It was a more traditional uh, sort of Hollywood extravaganza. But by the time you get to the 70s, it's just cartoonish. And it's like night and day. It is just, it's so strange to watch over time how these things shift uh, and become totally uh, different from what they started out with. It felt like Peter Sellers basically doing, you know, a Goon Squad movie, only without the other two guys. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it's just, that's the kind of vibe. I mean, the same with like Terminator. It's like, how did we get from the first Terminator to whatever that last one was it's like it's it's like they've just just totally that's that's just yeah yeah uh, they've they've totally dissembled sunk cost fallacy yeah (laughs) they've totally dissembled everything that was good about the first one and just uh like mushed it mushed it mashed it until they came out with whatever they came out with it's just sort of ugh. so yeah no that's over Uh, and maybe the podcast is too yeah, I, think so, I agree. Otherwise, it's just going to be like yelling about so, shit for the for the rest yeah, so, of the day. Yeah, so so here's the deal, folks. <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast, and that way, in the future, when we review Clerks Three, you can hear us talk about oh, it. Oh God! Um, Don't make me watch we, that, please. Yeah, rate it on social on your podcast app. Share on your socials, and as always, go to our website maghuge.com m a g h u g e dot com. There you'll find links of all the ways to contact us. You can find our Twitter. We're at maghuge. Uh, you'll find our Instagram, our Facebook, where we're the we're the Magnificently Huge podcast, and you can find a link to email us, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Oh, I didn't get remember All to right. ask for Robocop 4. Where's Robocop 4? That's the series that needed to live forever. <laughs> Robocop 4. Well, then the reboot count? Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. <laughs>